So what color is your vinyana? <laughs> they say that uh, this uh, vinyana, this knowing faculty, is almost impossible to uh, discern by itself, but it can be discerned by the accompanying uh, qualities that it has. So it might be um, uh, consciousness colored by um, some uh, emotion or um, consciousness uh, uh, colored by uh, dullness or colored by um, one of the uh, uplifting uh, boundless states of uh, meditation. In the process of life, uh, we prob- probably a lot of people ordinarily are maybe spending um, more than fifty percent, or seventy-five percent, or ninety percent of their waking moments in the process of doing things that it's necessary for them to do in order to um, survive and take care of their responsibilities. Uh, uh, this is one of the questions: How to practice for a busy life? Uh, so. In, um, in that case, uh, the um, uh, vinyana that uh, arises, the awareness that arises, is always going to be um, cre- colored by uh, craving and getting and grabbing and um, trying to keep um, that each, uh, each and every moment of our experience, even if we had a few minutes of uh, peace, we would then uh, find that consciousness would be going to uh, mentally reviewing um, the previous uh, moments of um, our experience and uh, ruminating about them and deciding, uh, evaluating them and seeing whether they measure up or not and um, whether anything could could be done to uh, improve our uh, situation. Uh, So so this is uh, the uh, uh, typical, uh, actually the typical characteristic of the untrained mind is that uh, one would be in the process of um, doing or whatever our work is and then we have some time to rest and then uh, immediately the mind um, starts or continues uh, spinning around reviewing that same work um, and trying to uh, decide um, oh, like I'm a visitor here at Spirit Rock so I can just enjoy being here Right, but uh, someone who works here could be um, sitting in this room and thinking, oh, something is sloppy, something needs to be tidied up, something needs to be repaired, um, uh, all the, the different things that are uh, necessary with, uh, with keeping up a place. And so it's just the same thing in our life. Uh, we may have this uh, mind which is always commenting. Um, and so then uh, the... Uh, um, uh, consciousness that we have is always going to be colored by that. Uh, another kind of uh, color that Vinyana sometimes have is, has is uh, dark, in the sense that uh, one can't, it's difficult to see anything. Uh, I have uh, from time to time seen in myself and in people that there can be a kind of like an emotional storm. And one is is just sort of hanging on, but it's actually uh, difficult uh, to have 
any kind of uh, directed attention or focused awareness uh, because it, it, there just seems to be a, like some type of a sort of a whirlwind of reactivity. And then at other times, uh, most particularly when we are getting into a state of non-doing, as we do with the practice of meditation. We are not doing a meditation technique. Uh, We are not um, uh, doing work. We're not striving to uh, tick up a lot of checkboxes so that we can obtain Nibbāna. But instead, uh, we're simply uh, being in the moment and we don't need to do anything. And so uh, there can be, at those times, um, the moments when uh, the mind has this uh, kind of delightful clarity that everything we experience just seems to, experience, to be experienced so clearly, so vividly, and so uh, memorably. And that seems to be uh, enabled by being in a space of non-doing. Uh, we're able to have that kind of stillness. Imagine if you could, as I was uh, a few days ago, sitting in the kitchen um, at breakfast time, waiting for the coffee and hearing the, uh, the little noises, the clattering noises of uh, uh, my uh, friend uh, making my coffee for me. And open my eyes and I see the mop. And I don't need... To even I'm not even the thought of mopping the floor is just not there at all. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not involved with whether or not the floor is mopped. It's just color striking the eye because uh, there is this uh, time of the morning. There's this peace, peace, peace and clarity. So, um, uh, in general, uh, the uh, question we might ask about vinyana is, uh, what color is it? Um, particularly whether it's dark or bright. Can we see clearly or not? And then the second uh, most important question, is the vinyana uh, established or unestablished? And that means, is the vinyana trapped in a way which is uh, kind of... uh, obsessive, where because of uh, some type of uh, drive uh, based on craving, the mind is like striking again and again on the same object. It's, uh, uh, you know, there's something worrying or unsatisfactory or wanted or, or some kind of instability in our heart that makes the mind uh, be uh, going uh, again and again and, and uh, striking on an object that's that's become a, some type of an obsession for us. That's not freedom. That's the opposite of freedom, opposite of what we're striving for. And uh, 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 if we see that kind of mind, then we would uh, be um, trying to uh, investigate and learn how we can have the um, consciousness which is unestablished that has uh, 
the freedom to be fully present for each uh, moment of experience that is arising up to our awareness, that's able to receive our experiences fully and then let them pass through without any holding. And so that would be um, uh, the uh, unestablished consciousness. I, I think that the what's called established consciousness must be uh, similar to the um, vijnana upadana kanda, the consciousness which is uh, uh, full of uh, 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 grasping, uh, which is the aggregate part of our part of the five aggregates. Now there's a, uh, uh, the way that I've been explaining so far, uh, as far as uh, working with the um, heavy uh, emotional reactivity in terms of the five khandhas, has been around the, mostly around the ideas of developing mindfulness and um, using a, an analytical method to break an emotional complex into its pieces and to uh, look at the pieces one by one until um, by, uh, as the result of seeing all of it or any part of it uh, clearly as it really is, uh, the mind becomes able to let go of the, of the grasping around that particular part of our experience. And every time, to whatever extent, the mind is able to let go of that grasping and holding, then um, we experience freedom and we get out of, of the, uh, the uh, reactive cycle. Uh, there are, however, some more uh, general um, uh, factors that one can uh, develop which will um, be a good uh, prevention and generically uh, stop emotional reactivity from arising in the first place. Uh, by uh, creating a situations where the triggers don't trigger us anymore. And that will be the contemplation about uh, the uh, three signs of existence, uh, anicca, anatta, and dukkha. So um, especially uh, anatta, which means non-self. So uh, usually we are uh, most uh, sharply emotionally triggered when our ego is on the line or something is touching us personally, touching our own sense about our own personal individual safety uh, or touching something about our own individual personal me, my, my safety, my welfare. Uh, when, when I um, have got the uh, a strong uh, belief in the self and when I have a uh, uh, built up and accumulated a lot of ideas about how important uh, this uh, ego is, um, then I will be very vulnerable to uh, this kind of emotional reactivity. But if I have uh, um, uh, developed uh, uh, the idea of anatta or non-self, uh, then there's a, a lot more uh, flexibility. Uh, let's suppose... Um, you know, I'm having an allergic reaction or something, and my body doesn't feel well. 
Well, uh, uh, I it might uh, if I've uh, developed the uh, perception of non-self, I would know uh, this is not my body. Not my body. Don't worry about it. Not a problem. It's not mine. So then I don't need to be emotionally engaged in that way. Um, uh, my opinions, that's the other thing people get emotional about, their opinions. If, uh, if I know that you know, an opinion is an opinion, it comes from causes and conditions, um, I have them, everybody does, but I'm not so attached to them. And I don't need to feel uh, distressed or disturbed if it uh, turns out that my opinion is wrong. Uh, they say that uh, uh, when people uh, wake up, they uh, sometimes go through the, some depending on a person's inclination or their abilities, some people can see impermanence really easily, some people can see non-self more easily, and some people can see uh, dukkha or suffering more easily. Uh, but the three things are all, all tied together. Um, in the uh, Anatalakana Sutta, which is one of the, uh, which is uh, the uh, uh, second uh, sutta that the, that the Buddha taught after the Dhamma Chakapavatana, uh, he, uh, um, uh, this is on the three characteristics, so he said, look at this body. Um, it's always changing. Or look at those emotional complexes that you're having. See how quickly they change, how unstable they are. Um, even if you are really suffering, I mean, a whole pile of these uh, questions that came are people who had their particular kinds of suffering because of the particular things that have happened. And yeah, that's really real. Uh, but if you watch closely, especially if you're able to get a retreat, and, uh, and watch closely the... the uh, 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 sorrowful, painful, and uh, difficult situations that we're in, and watch how we're holding it. The mind is not able to stay at the apex of of pain for very long. It comes and goes in waves. It's always changing. The most terrible thing that can happen. Uh, our uh, response to it, it's just because the like you know, the nose can smell something really bad, and after you sniff that really bad thing for a certain number of minutes, those uh, receptors um, for um, the unpleasant smell get dulled out, and you're not able to smell it anymore. Just the same way with, uh, with our uh, reactivity to uh, uh, things which are to be experienced as uh, un- unpleasant. Uh, uh, we we're not able to sustain the continuous awareness of pain, it comes and goes. And um, uh, uh, this is another one of my, my early Buddhist, my, my, my personal early Buddhist experiences. After, shortly after I uh, heard about the Dhamma, uh, my uh, younger brother died of AIDS. And um, we had been particularly close. I was um, not prepared at all to cope with uh, death. And um, it had not occurred to me that my um, 
immediate family was going to be taken away. So it was a, a big, uh, a big uh, shock. And um, on, a, uh, uh, on a retreat, um, the advice that was uh, given me in this very agitated, you know, intense grief state was, um, don't go looking for trouble, don't go like needling at the grief, but instead uh, try uh, to uh, do like some calming meditation, like breath meditation, just do tranquilizing meditation. And then whenever the painful thoughts come up, uh, just watch that. And then when it subsides, go back to the breath. So I did that for uh, 10 days. And, um, you know, I, I would be, you know, doing sitting meditation or walking meditation and the thought would come about something or other. And, and then the, the tears would begin to flow and I would go off into a, a room at the side and just cry for a few minutes and then, and then um, sit there and... Uh, uh, in that case, the uh, worst uh, painful feeling lasted about 20 minutes. And then the mind would just think of something else that was not so painful. So at the end of that retreat, um, uh, first of all, a lot of the feeling had just flowed out and been like experienced as fully as I was able to experience it and not continuously uh, repressed or pushed aside, which is... I think that in itself is good medicine. And then uh, the second uh, point, uh, I found out that I was going to survive, that this uh, loss would not ruin me. Uh, I just had to bear it for 20 minutes. If I had enough strength to stand up to the worst imaginable pain that I knew at that time of my life, for if I could stand it for 20 minutes, then I would live. Okay, so, so Anicca then is, is kind of a friend, isn't it? If we can uh, watch the uh, instability of, the, uh, of our uh, emotional states, uh, watch how it twists and turns and changes, um, then we can uh, um, get out of the bag of perpetuating an emotional cycle um, and instead of paying attention to how it repeats itself, it persists. Instead, pay attention to how it changes and how there are the, the intervals in between. And pay attention to the calm intervals in between the times of uh, agitation. And then, and then let, the, let those grow. So um, Anicca, in that case, is, uh, is uh, uh, not our enemy but our friend. Uh, seeing Anicca, uh, one also then uh, uh, can see um, this uh, anatta or this uh, no-self aspect. Um, some teachers uh, emphasize uh, non-self in terms of identification. Like if I identify with my status, uh, my uh, possessions, uh, the beauty of my body or the strength of my body then I'm headed for trouble because all of those things are impermanent. Um, or uh, similarly, a little bit different angle on it, if I'm focusing on the ownership of things, also heading for trouble because of their impermanent, impermanent nature. So I don't own anything, especially um, this form, 
these uh, feelings, thoughts, ideas, and so forth, um, uh, I develop the perception uh, that these things are not mine. Uh, when I do my work, um, each time I make a, a work product, I write an email or something, I give a, you know, kind of a blessing, a thought of a kindness for myself and the person who's getting the email, and then I let it go, and then when I punch it, it's not mine anymore. And I hit the send button, you know, <laughs> I don't own that anymore. And so uh, just uh, developing the uh, a perception of um, of a non-self, contemplating that, thinking about it, uh, reflecting about it, and then uh, when uh, you have any kind of moment, whether it be during your busy life or during your meditation retreats, that you actually experience non-self, or you experience the freedom of not owning all your stuff, then when you have those, those experiential moments, mark them very clearly. So, okay, this is what it's like to be uh, dwelling in non-self. And by, the, by virtue of marking and noting it, uh, that makes it more bright as a part of your experience. And then you can, you're able to uh, uh, develop and expand that so that it becomes more of a, a continuous aspect of your life. And then um, the uh, uh, perception of, uh, of dukkha, uh, in particular in this context, in the context of emotions, of um, uh, with that non-judgmental mind realizing uh, to whatever extent that we have within ourselves um, uh, some of these uh, uh, tendencies that are actually painful in the long run. So our um, greedy tendencies are um, you know, afflictive, hateful, whatever uh, tendency we, we, tendencies we have, and uh, seeing uh, the disadvantage, um, then the mind just becomes willing to let go, let those things go, put them down. So, uh, in uh, developing these uh, perceptions, of um, about the three marks, we are uh, learning to um, have a different way of a different kind of appraisal that we're putting on experience on our on our experiences. So let's say if um, somebody uh, does something to me that's not fair, um, instead of having the appraisal that bad person did that bad thing to me and I'm the victim of it, uh, we might have the appraisal, um, this is dukkha. It's uh, uh, difficult, painful to bear, and that's part of uh, the life uh, that we got when we took the birth as a human being, is that it's going to include some of that. And so... And then it's not necessary to um, perpetuate the cycle of emotional reactivity.
So now we're uh, coming down to the home stretch of this retreat. Um, for much of the day, I've been speaking about um, um, afflictive or uh, difficult emotional states. Uh, but it's also true that uh, even if we, even when we get better, even if we uh, develop ourselves in the Dhamma, uh, the emotions are still part of the picture. And in particular, there's a lot of states that are part of emotions that are some of the uh, factors of enlightenment and some of the wholesome things that we like to develop. And uh, using this uh, five kanda uh, theory is a way of uh, making our practice uh, deeper and more complete. Uh, so after this uh, next round of uh, sitting and walking meditation, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll do some walking meditation first. And then we'll come back here for a sit. And I'll give you a guided sit about uh, practicing metta meditation. And you can see how, instead of some out of, the, out of the depths of the darkness of your subconscious, that unknown to you, unaware to you, something got triggered, and there's some reaction, and it's in your body's all uncomfortable and reactive, and then you get some distorted perception and, and start you know, proliferating it and so forth like that, is with a... Um, a an emotional response that's coming out of ignorance. Instead, in this case, we're, we'll be letting uh, wisdom be the leader. And we make the uh, intention to develop metta. Uh, we use uh, uh, phrases to uh, uh, clarify our uh, intention of loving-kindness. And as a result of uh, dwelling in that uh, wholesome intention, uh, it can arouse a uh, feeling uh, which is uh, pleasant and which is uh, felt in the body. So that then you can bring um, you know, uh, the, uh, the body, the feeling, the um, uh, perceptions and the, and the volition, all of those things uh, intentionally and with uh, full awareness, with uh, vijnana. We can bring them up into a practice which is not a superficial practice but which is a deep practice because it's involving the whole person. So that will be the, uh, the next thing. And we'll go out of the order now and take about um, 20 minutes of walking meditation. And then we'll come back here and sit for some metta meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.